Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? What up, friends? We got something different tonight. <laughs> it do be different indeed. Um, Call it whatever you want to call it. Um, we were talking about this idea before we started recording. Realized we didn't have beer. Also realized we didn't want to go to the store to get beer. Um, well, the store is real far. The store is real far. It's not really that far. It, but I mean, it's like quite an ordeal. And we record these after long work days. Yeah. Clayton had a I, ten and a half hour. I had a ten already. and a half hour day. And then we've already been at this for you know at least an hour. Yeah. So we didn't want to go to the store. Yep. Um, so I feel like one this of is my favorite like thing I've ever heard you say. Come on, let's go. I am. If you've been around here long enough, you know I like beer. I like cocktails. I like spirits. I like all things adult beverages. Um, beverages. And I feel as if I have lots of knowledge about these things. Um. One of my favorite things whenever I walk into a bar, if I want to feel a feeling of comfort, a shot of bourbon and a Pilsner beer. One of my favorite things. Yeah, we redneck. (laughs) Yeah, one of my favorite things in the world. So today, that's what we're doing. (laughs) We're going to take a shot of bourbon and sometimes I'll take the shot. Sometimes I'll sip on it. Uh, I might do that here tonight. We'll we'll see. Um, you're probably gonna want to do that. Um, Clayton gave me a 114 proof whiskey that's called Old Granddad. No, 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 no. Okay, Old Granddad's real good bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and you also got to understand, I'm not really a huge bourbon person. He's not because I think it all tastes like straight brown sugar, and some of it less ethanol flavor than others. Yeah. <laughs> Colin's not a big bourbon guy. Um, I like bourbon for when I like a bourbon, if that makes sense. I have a purpose for bourbon, and I like it for that. Yeah. Um, So I've got what the Whiskey Tribe has voted. All of the Magnificent Bastards have voted that Wild Turkey 101 is the quintessential bourbon Um, for all of the reasons. And that's what I've got. And, you know, yeah, I agree. Quintessential bourbon. Totally okay with it. And Cullen has Old Granddad 114. Old Granddad is, I don't know, you asked me, one of the best bourbons for your buck, if not Wild Turkey 101. Um, and if you get the Old Granddad bonded, you're doing even better. The 114, it's like a step up. Because, like, you know, higher proof means more concentrated flavor. I love that whiskey. And that's why I gave it to Cullen because he's never had it before. It's also like up there with one of my favorite bourbons. And so, yeah. We're going to see. We're going to see. Uh, and we drink it Miller Lite because that's, we, yeah, we <laughs> that's what was in the fridge. Uh, From a barbecue we had on Sunday celebrating our daddy's birthday. <laughs> Daddy turned 50. And so I cooked five racks of ribs. There was a 30-pack of Miller Lite. 
Yeah. Uh, and a grand old time. Oh, we rednecks. <laughs> we rednecks. We rednecks. So, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Cheers again. Cheers. All right, and the verdict is Old Granddad's is definitely a pretty good bourbon. Yeah, and how does it play with the beer? It's fine. <laughs> Clayton said outside, we were talking about it before. It feels like a warm blanket. Clayton says it's like a warm blanket, and I said like a warm blanket for your soul, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, it do be like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's nice, man. It's comforting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it is. The other day, I got experimental because I wanted that comfort. I took a shot of Evan Williams Bonded Ooh. and poured it in the bottom of a beer glass and then topped it off with the Miller Lite. Oh, my God. You want to make your Miller Lite taste better? Add whiskey to it. <laughs> you don't want just standard Miller Lite? Cool. Add whiskey. Get experimental. Try all the things, right? Best whiskey is the whiskey you like to drink the way you like to drink it. And try it. I don't know. It was fun. <laughs> I got to be honest, friends. Um, I have never... I never expected Clayton to just be like, hey, pour some whiskey in the bottom of the glass and then put some beer on top of it. <laughs> so, Ooh. all right. And we're back. Uh <laughs> We're having fun tonight. Um, we are having fun tonight. We both work long days. We both work real long days. Um, yeah, anyways, I think this is a great thing. Um, it's comforting. It's like a warm blanket. Um, I got the idea from, like, the rum and beer thing, because, like, that's a thing. Yeah. I, I kind of well, got the, the Irish idea from car that. bomb is a thing, too. And the Irish car bomb is also a thing. Yeah. And so I was just like, whiskey, Pilsner... I don't know. Could be fun. So started playing around with it and found out it's pretty good. So here we are. It's a pretty good bourbon. Um, still has that ethanol flavor, which I don't like. Because it's high proof. No, it's because it's corn based. It's ethanol. Um, so anyways, okay. Let's talk about some theology. Let's do that. We spent a lot of weeks talking about ecclesiology because I think it's really important, but it's also probably quite revealing of me and who I am and why I do the things I do because um, why deconstructed the church? And the reason that you're listening to this podcast, if you didn't know, is because I wanted a deconstructed church model. I hated that the church had become this institution of power and it forced people to give up their own rights and privileges and conform to the existence and the image of the church. I just thought that was a terrible way for the church to continue to exist because what the church ends up doing is the church ends up being the institution. The church ends up being the experience of the temple, which is embodied by the Pharisees 
and the gospels. That's what our churches have become. They're yeah. the exact same thing. Um, and so I was like, well, look, I guess, I mean, I got to find a way to do this crap better. Yeah. Like I just can't, if I'm going to plan a church, I can't perpetuate the same old cycles of nonsense. And so I was like, well, I'm a student of history. How does history always deal with a problem? Like repeats itself. It does the same thing over and over again. And so I was like, okay, well, let's go back to look at how this all started. And when you look at how it all started, it all started in house churches. And so we decentralized it. We took the, the whole institution out of it, and we went back to house churches. Yeah. And I did that for a lot of reasons, as I already said, but I also did it because for some pragmatic ones. If you do house church, you don't really have a facility cost, which is a big deal because the average church in America will spend 75% of its income on staffing and the building. Yeah. 75% of its donations went to overhead. Yeah. Then most churches give at least another 5% to some kind of music or something. The average evangelical church in America, the average white evangelical church in America, sorry, I should correct. Yeah. The average white evangelical church in America um, gives less than uh, 10% of its money to actual mission. Mm. That's a terrible statistic yeah and so i was just like okay how do i cut costs because we got to actually be able to make a difference like our message as christians is a message of justice yeah. we got to actually be freaking doing something to make some people's lives different yeah um and unfortunately in this modern world you need money to do that true um and so i was like how do i come up with money cut the facility Man, cut the facility. I also saw this statistic one time. And somebody had run a study, and it was like 80% of churches uh, would have to close their doors or sell their property um, if the government decided to make them pay property taxes. Mm. Because they live in these million-dollar lavish facilities. Yeah. Um, and if they had to pay property taxes at the rate that everybody else does... They wouldn't be able to afford it. Their yeah. entire existence would have to change. Yeah. And so I didn't like that. Um, the other thing that I didn't like is they use, they build these buildings and then they don't use them. They're like not great stewards with them. Yeah. They always say they are, right? We'll build this family life center so that, you know, all the little orphan children can come play. <laughs> And then when the little orphan children show up and break a window, we kick the orphan children out because they messed up our nice stuff, our nice new stuff. And so we have a family life center that we only use for VBS and the occasional kids event and our nice dinners that we want to use them for. Yeah. 
It's a terrible story of how we use the resources that God has given us. Yes, it is. Um, and so then whenever I was always pastoring in churches that had facilities, I was always trying to find ways to use it. And you end up really struggling to find ways to use it because you end up asking a lot of time from people. Time in which people don't really have to give you. Yeah. The world has progressively gotten busier, and yet we have only, the church has only gotten more programmatic and more requiring of people. And we've gotten to where people have to conform their life to us. Um, the average church in America, or sorry, the majority of churches in America do not have a true service on any day other than Sunday. Clayton, do you know why that is? Do you know why every church in America has their primary service somewhere in between the 10 and 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning? I don't remember all of the history behind it, but it had something to do with like farming in the 1800s. Well, it has to do with farming or long like before long the 1800s. Before that, but like, but, yeah, yes. long, it had to do with like the farming thing. Whenever we were an agrarian society, um, church was done in between 10 and 11 on Sunday mornings because you could do church in about an hour, hour and a half. It gave farmers enough opportunity to do their morning chores before they had to go to church, and they could be home for lunch before they had to do their afternoon chores. Mm. That is why it existed. It exists at that time strictly because the culture told us that it needed to exist at that time. And yet, now we've made it into this big thing, and it's like, well, we just can't change it. Which is stupid, because Clayton Ware, on any given Sunday, 30% of the American workforce is required to be at work. Mm -hmm. That means that 30% of people cannot attend the thing that you spend most of your time in existence for. Yeah, That's terrible. If you do house church, you can do it any day of the week. That's right. You can do it at any time of the day. You can do it for different people groups at different times. You can do it for, you can accommodate a lot of different people in a lot of different settings with a house church. And so then it was like, okay, well, infrastructurally, how do you do it? It's like, okay, well, what did they include? What did they include in their original gatherings? What did they think was the most important expression right after Pentecost? Prayer, teaching, breaking of bread. They devoted them. This is Acts chapter 2, the last part. Uh, actually, we'll just read just it. Just read it, yeah. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay, cool. We can do that. All right, how are you going to teach all these house churches, Cullen? Well, this is simple. Technology. You're yeah. Well, like, this is easy. Yeah. We've been doing it in the middle of COVID, yeah. like video sermon. Well, we'll just do that. You just like we'll just put it on YouTube and you just put it on TV. That's not hard. And then I was like, okay, well, how do you do fellowship? 
Well, that's easy. Everybody knows how to talk. And it's easier if you got to break bread because then you can just feed them. Yeah. And so, and then there was prayer, which prayer has taken us the longest to figure out. And it's still not perfect, if I had to say. And it still looks different for different wells. It does. It always looks a little different. But those were the four things that we wanted to include in every one of our gatherings. Yeah. So the kind of model that we came up with was uh, we wanted to be able to be done in a two-hour window. So the first hour, all you do is fellowship and eat. Like literally, all you do is shoot the bull, hang out, catch up with what's going on in your life, and eat food that you didn't have to pay for. Yep. Unless you're one of our donors, and thank you so much. Yes. Um. And then at the one hour mark, and you know, we're not super rigid with it because that's the beauty of all of this is like, don't forsake the community for the discipline. Don't forsake community for the discipline, like community first community. And my understanding of community and fellowship is experiencing the love of God through the people of God. That's right. And so I will never forsake community for the discipline. We are never going to fight something that we are quote, supposed to do because it is in our liturgy we're not going to fight to do this thing if it feels inconvenient and inconvenience the community correct and most commonly and this is the problem most commonly the way that plays out is it somewhere around the one hour mark one hour to one hour and ten minute mark we'll put the youtube video on mm-hmm. and it's usually me preaching somewhere in between eight minutes and twelve minutes And I just sit on my couch, literally, we do all of this in my house. So this is my personal bookshelf. These are my like actual living room stuff. We just move stuff away. Literally, this is where my dining room normally is. Literally across the room, if I turn the camera around, is my living room. And that's where my stories are all filmed. Um, It's me sitting on my couch preaching quote unquote but i don't call it preaching because you know religious trauma um and so i call it storytelling and uh and i just tell these stories um in about eight to twelve minutes and the other thing that i noticed because i took a class i designed an independent study at baylor um and i called it parallels between postmodern and patristic preaching and basically what that means is Parallels is obviously the two things working in side by side. Uh, postmodernism is kind of, it's an epistemology. It's a way in which you think of knowledge and understand the makeup of truth. Um, and that's the current era, philosophical era that we're living in, according to philosophical history and philosophical movements. And so that's the way in which most people are understanding truth today. And patristic is the category of church history that is most closely connected to Jesus and the house church movement. And so what I wanted to do, and I designed this class because I was thinking about planting Well House Church. And so I connected them together because I wanted to know how the guys that were actually doing this in house churches were preaching (laughs) and how that developed out of those house churches, and I wanted to know what the people of today, the ear that I wanted someone to give me, how they wanted to make up truth. 
And the connection that I got out of that was that people don't want answers anymore. Mm. People want you to trust that they're an autonomous person that's capable of providing their own answers. And for me as a person with a very high pneumatology, someone who values the Holy Spirit in each individual person, the divinity that's active in each individual person, I was like, great. That means me as the pastor, all I have to do is trust that God is at work in them and that they will come to me when they need me. Yeah. If they need something from me, if they want me to help guide them or help shape something they're questioning, cool. But I don't have to give them the answer. It takes a lot of pressure off. Oh, my God. Immense. Immense. I walk around with way less, like, weight on my shoulders than I used to. Yeah. And so so I end every story with a question. And then for the next, you know, however long, everyone that watched it gets to talk about it, gets to answer the question in their own way, gets to breach questions that they want to ask. And that conversation goes as long as it needs to. And in whatever direction it tends it to organically like, goes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And then at the end of that, we usually try to dedicate some time to prayer. However, because of our policy around here that we never forsake community for the discipline, in our gatherings with children, the children are usually done with whatever they're doing about that time. And so they like to come out and show us. And like... That was the other thing when I was designing, I was like, okay, how do you deal with kids? And it's like, well, first of all, maybe we shouldn't be talking about them as like, how do you deal with kids? Yeah. Let the children come to me guys. Yeah. (laughs) How do do we value kids? Yeah. And I thought back on my own experiences of kid ministry and church and stuff. And I learned a lot. Like, yeah, I learned a lot of crap, but like, I don't think I really like thought about that when I was at school. Like, church was this thing I did, and I kind of knew, and mom and dad talked about it, but, like, I wasn't embodying that as a truth of my existence. Now, I think some people did. I think you did, even at an early age. I did. But I personally didn't. Um, And so I was like, okay. And then, like, the integration into adult worship experiences was quite strange. And then you've got, like, these liturgies you have to learn and all this stuff. But also, let's talk about that for a second, just real quickly. Internalizing kids' church, yeah, moving to adult church—that is one element of religious trauma, right? Fucking there. Excuse me, but like that's how I feel. Like I think back on internalizing all of that as a child, and then moving into adult worship, I felt like I was doing it all wrong all yeah. this time. Yeah, and now I had to unteach myself. All the stuff I learned in kids' church and now teach myself the adult things. Yeah. Whoa. See? I didn't even know this, to be fair. Um, so, yeah. But these are very common stories. Yeah. And so, I was like, okay, well, how do you fix that? We just leave the kids around you. Yeah. Like, you let them be around and see what's going on. And... So I was like, okay, like we'll do an activity with them. Like we'll do the stories and stuff. But if I'm only asking these, these adults for eight to 12 minutes of their attention mm. before they can just have an open conversation, I'm certainly not going to ask my child, like my child care volunteers, my like 
ministry volunteers to try to keep the entertainment of a child for more than about 25 if they're really struggling. Yeah. Um, and so if like, it's just time to be done, it's time to, it's be time done. to be done and that's okay because yeah. the experience of divinity and the children being involved in these conversations and us affirming the things that they're saying is also divine in a spiritual, like formative act. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of how I came up with this, but then I was also like, but wait, there needs to be some element of discipleship. Like you do have to be at least offering opportunities for people to grow Yeah, if they want to participate in that, because we are in the ministry of healing. That is correct. Right? That is the ministry we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. As Paul says, um, the message of life and liberation, as the biblical story tells us. And so, if we're going to do that, then we need to be offering resources of some capacity. And so I was like, okay, well, how do people like to consume information these days? Because if I'm asking you, this is one of my problems with church pragmatically, is we're asking people who have never been more busy to give up times of themselves in order to receive information. Yeah. Nah, that's terrible. If you're giving me time, I want to be spending that on transformation, which I right. think is happening in and amongst the people of God, the tangible experience and expression of the people of God. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I decided based on research, I was like, hey, podcasts are on the rise. Like people are enjoying passive content learning which makes sense for a very busy people group. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, cool. Well, I can do that. Thus and, born four different podcasts. <laughs> and was born four different podcasts. There was supposed to only be three. To be fair, there was only supposed to be three. True. That is true. Our podcast, Let's Talk. And the reason I came up with this is it was like, I was like, okay, what if a, what if a, like, what are the three main categories that someone may want to experience like spiritual formation in? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, faith and culture, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, how does, how does someone live a life to be a Christian? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, for sure, just like basic spiritual formation, like spiritual practices. Like, how do I be actually in relationship with my divine creator and my divinity? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, well, for sure, theology, because everybody's got like... Everyone's an expert on theology, don't well, you know? Yeah, everybody's an armchair expert on theology. And so those were the three categories. And then in one of our core team, one of our like prep meetings, um, my dad was like, well, if you're only going to be preaching like eight to 12 minutes, like there's so much other content you do for sermon prep. Mm. Like you should just add a content where it's like you just go through the biblical text that you preached on for those that still want that like biblical, like that old school that, like, Southern Baptist exegesis. Like yeah. let's really talk about the text and let's Let's go verse it. by verse and yeah. And I was like, yeah, I love that. I love that because you do have to do a lot of text prep. And what I tell people all the time is the shorter the sermon, the more prep you have to do. Yeah. Um, because... If you just need 3,000 words for the sake of 3,000 words because you got to fill 35 minutes. You can kind of ramble on for a bit. Yeah, you're going to ramble. You're going to do the three-point thing. You're going to tell it, a couple it's stories. It's the trimming. It's the, 
It's so what's fine. the important part? It's finding what matters. Yeah. And trimming it down. And, and then how to communicate that in an artistic way. And in an artistic way. Yeah. It yeah. takes a lot of thought. So I was like, yeah, I would love to just be able to ramble on about the biblical text, like literally verse by verse, like we would do expositionally with exegesis. Yeah, I'd love to do that in a podcast. And so I did. So that's how the four podcasts were born was out of that, was out of that. And then I was like, okay, well, for what purpose did I give them this information? Why, why did I choose to give them this information? It's like, well, so they can grow as a human. For whatever they, whichever of the podcasts they chose to listen to, uh, it's because they think they need that. And I'm giving them, like we're offering them this resource because um, of, you know, healing. And for transformation, I want them to grow. And I was like, but you've already said that that happens in people. Like, that doesn't happen by yourself. That can happen by yourself, but that most commonly happens in people. And so we designed these covenant groups, three to five people similar to you, um, that y'all can design however you want to. If you're a bunch of business people, and the best way to do that is to communicate through email and have coffee together once a month. Cool. If you're a bunch of plant workers and you work the same shift, and the best way to do that is every day at lunch, cool. Uh, however you can accommodate it to your schedule, um, if you're you know, a group of moms that don't work outside the home and you want to do that every other week as you meet at the park and let your kids play, money i don't care how you do it um the whole system here was that we should be the church should be empowering people on a mission we shouldn't be asking people to conform to something for us in order to empower them to go out into the world we should be doing our best to accommodate people where they are in the world and so wellhouse has a very strange ecclesiology Wellhouse has a very you let me let me rephrase. Wellhouse has a very unique ecclesiology. An extremely unique ecclesiology. Yeah. And it's because I was trying I've been trained, you know, I had an undergraduate degree in theology. I had a, my master's degree in theology and I was working on a second one. Um I just had a lot of opinions about how to solve a problem. And so we created something very unique. And here's the thing that's been hardest, and here's the thing that I want our listeners to understand, is our unique ecclesiology does not speak to my low view of ecclesiology. In fact, it speaks to my high view of ecclesiology because it speaks to the fact that I think the church should be a people on mission. Church isn't a building. The church isn't an institution. The church is the people of God on mission for the pursuit of love, life, liberation, and justice in the name of Jesus. That is ecclesiology. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.